Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I was trying to figure out what I should preach on this weekend. I was struggling about it, and I had a great idea. I thought I'd just preach about Christ this weekend. (laughs) That's what Paul said to preach. (laughs) But I want to... Actually, I'm going to go into the Gospel of John, chapter 8. And I want to talk to you about the most outrageous claim ever made. This, this will give you an understanding. You know, C.S. Lewis, one of his famous statements, he said that, that Christ was one of three things. He was a liar, a lunatic, or the Son of God. He wasn't a good man. People say, oh, I believe he was a good man. Oh, he was, he was not a good man if he was a liar or a lunatic. He was not one, and so you, it's the, the choice, after, after you look at the claims that Christ made, you have to come to the conclusion that he's one of those three. And if he's one of those three, then we're just do our own thing, forget church. But if he's the fir- one of the first two, a liar or a lunatic, but if he's the son of God, everything we have belongs to him. Our heart and our life belongs to him. So here's one of those outrageous claims. He made it to... Um, um, to, to the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. He was talking to them about, about who he was. And they were asking him questions about immortality and about life and about how they get eternal life. And um, at, when, when Jesus was, he was talking to them about who he was, and the Jews answered him in, in John 8, 48. I'm cutting in the middle of this just for time's sake. In John 8, 48, the Jews answered him and said, are we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon. Now, to call someone a Samaritan, that's a racial slur. The most ugly racial slur that you can imagine, that's what that was calling somebody. You're, you, aren't, aren't we right in saying that you're a, a, a Samaritan and that you, you have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. He's talking about the Father. The one who seeks my glory is the Father. The Father is seeking the glory of his Son. And he is the judge. Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never see death. Now this was too much. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say... If anyone keeps my word, you'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Well, Jesus, and he's laughing, and I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Jesus answered, if I glorified myself, my glory is nothing. It's my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he's our father. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Wow. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it. How did he saw it? By by prophetic vision. He saw the day of the Lord. He saw the day of Christ by prophetic vision. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, 
I am. That's, that's the greatest claim to deity he could possibly have made. Before Abraham was, before there was an Abraham, the father of your faith, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. It wasn't his time. As we know from listening to Dick Mills, you can't stone a man who's born to be crucified. Now this, you know, this, um, this story became very real to me. I have to tell you this, this little event that happened. I, I wrote a blog about this this week, but when I was um, a very young Christian, just a few weeks old in the Lord, I was enrolled in Bible school. We had an evangelism class each week. And this one particular evangelism class, we were sent out that, I think it was Saturday night, we were sent out to do street evangelism in Fresno, California, and our leader was one of the, the older students, the students that had been there longer. Um, Tony Curta was the leader of this team, and we went out to go witnessing, and we went to a place where we often went in Fresno. It was Celand Arena, which where they had rock and roll concerts. They'd have 10 years after, whoever, whatever, big concert, big 10,000-seat arena, and, you know, people smoking pot and all that. That was what was normally going on. And so we were going to that night, we went to go out, and I knew it'd be a fun night with Tony in charge. The week before we'd gone out, and Tony got thrown in jail for preaching in the bar that we were in, and so he was always a barrel of monkeys. This guy was, he was a trip. So we went to the Salon Arena that night, and lo and behold, it wasn't 10 years after that particular week, it was a statewide or regional-wide Jehovah Witness convention. <laughs> there was thousands of them there. And we were sharing our faith and passing out tracts. You know, there was no admission charge, so we went in and we were passing out our tracts and sharing our faith. And it was quite a ruckus, you know. If you know anything about the Jehovah Witnesses, they don't believe that Jesus is God. And um, so I was, you know, just minding my own business. And suddenly I, I heard the, the, the someone on the microphone in the, in the arena. We were there, and there's, you know, a big 10,000-seat arena packed with people. And Tony somehow had gotten control of the microphone on the platform. And he went to preaching out of John 8, 58. Before Abraham was, I am. Woo! Boy, I've never, I have never seen so many angry people. You think about a, wa- a, a wasp nest being stirred. This wasp, it was a 10,000 beehive. It was, they were just like undone. Undone with hostility. Now, I'm not saying this was the right way to go about evangelism. I'm not promoting this one way or the other. But, but what I am saying, what I am saying is this was indelibly, indelibly marked in my conscience that day. The powerful claim that Jesus made, that he made publicly. He made claims like this publicly out in front of everyone, out in front of the temple, out in front of the temple leaders, out in front of the the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Passover, wherever it was. There were thousands of people involved when he would make these bold claims. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Now, what what Christ was claiming when he made this statement before Abraham was, he was claiming deity. He was claiming that he has been from before there was time, that he is the eternal one, the eternally begotten Son of God. It's a powerful, powerful thought. I've got a, a, a quote that I have to read to you today out of Matthew Henry about this very scripture. He says, I am is the name of God. It denotes his self-existence. He's, he's always existed. How can, how can a natural man even understand that? 
He has no creation. There wasn't a time that he wasn't. There wasn't a time he was born. There wasn't a time then that there wasn't a son of God. He's always been the son of the Father. Always been. Eternal. His self-existence. He does not say, I was, but I am. For he is the first and the last. Immutably the same. Unchangeable. Thus he was not only before Abraham was, but before all worlds. Secondly, as mediator, he is I am. He was the appointed Messiah long before Abraham. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the channel of conveyance of light and life and love from God to man. This supposes his divine nature, that he is the same in himself from eternity and that he is the same to man ever since the fall. He was made of God wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption to Adam and to Abel and to Enoch and to Noah and to Shem. This Jesus, this is who they were all grasping for, this Jesus. He says, and and, and all the patriarchs that lived and died by faith in him before Abraham was born. Abraham was the root of the Jewish nation, the rock out of which they were hewn. If Christ was before Abraham, his doctrine and religion were no novelty, but were in the substance of them prior to Judaism and ought to take the place of it. He is the great I am. Now, one of the incredible scriptures also in the book of John, if you want a revelation of Christ, the Son of God, the deity of God, the deity of Christ, read the book of John. Read it again and again and let the words permeate your being. He had a revelation of the deity of Christ that's unsurpassed. And in John 1.18, look what it says. This is so powerful. The opening words of his gospel. No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten son. Some of the manuscripts said the only begotten God. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. It's talking about a relationship of intimacy and love that's existed from eternity. This incredible love of the father. The love of the father for the son is indescribable. It's unlimited. Jonathan Edwards described it as a bottomless, bottomless ocean, an ocean without a bottom and without shores. The love the Father has for the Son. This is the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts when we drink in the Holy Spirit. Not in theory, not in philosophy, but in reality. We drink in this love and it's unsurpassed, it's overwhelming, and it's satisfying to our souls. He says, this only begotten son who's in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Jesus, his whole life, his whole life declares the glory of the father. His existence declares the glory of the father. His humanity declares the glory of the father. His incarnation declared the glory of the father. His earthly ministry declared the glory of the father. His death declared the glory of the father. His resurrection declares the glory of the father. His glorification seated at the right hand of God declares the glory of the father. He is the only begotten of the father. And the glory shines from his face every day of our lives. He is the only son of God, the only begotten son of God. You know, you and I have been adopted into that family. Are we, but you and I are sons of God in a different sense than the son of God. 
We've been adopted in. I don't know about, about you. Well, I do know about you. Every one of us had a beginning. There, wasn't a t- there was a time there, there, when there wasn't a you. As a matter of fact, there was a time in your life when you were living this life away from God and you weren't even one of his children. You were a child of darkness. I was a child of darkness. I wasn't a son of God. I was adopted into this family when he sent the spirit of adoption into my heart. And I was, became an heir of God, a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. He is the uncreated son of God. Hallelujah. I love this. Oh, I love this. This is awesome. I am. I am. I am. Jesus declared. Now here in John 8... John 8, 12, here's another one of his his statements about who he is. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now what kind of person can make a declaration, this whole world is lit up by me. I'm the radiance that shines into this world." You've seen the sun, it's only a a shadow. It's only a shadow of the radiance that shines from my being. I am the light of the world. What kind of statement is that? Now this, this, to understand the the power of this statement, this, this statement was made after the final day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It was an eight day celebration. The last day of the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, we know that story, it happened in John 7. The last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up in the midst, in the midst of, the, of the celebration. There were thousands of people that weren't normally in Jerusalem that had come to Jerusalem for that day. And they were, they were having their Feast of Tabernacles and they were pouring out their water and their wine. And Jesus stood up in the midst of the festival and he began to cry out. It says he began to scream like a, an animal shrieking. He began to shriek in that tabernacle. If anyone is thirsty... If anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and drink, and drink. And out of his innermost being will begin to flow rivers of living water. I have water to give that will satisfy the very thirst of your soul. That's what he had said the day before. Well, one of the main celebrations of the Feast of Tabernacles, it happened every night. They would, they would have, this, this street would be lit up with candles, with big candelabras. You know, and I, I thought it was kind of funny. You know, I, you, you never think about stuff like this. You know, they'd have their big candelabras and they'd have the olive oil to fill up the candelabras. I, I never thought about the wicks. You know what they made the wicks from in these candles? They were made from the underpants of the priests. The priests' underpants, their linen garments, were the candles, and they were they were lit up. They were lit up. They were just, they'd light the the city up every night, and they was and literally the celebration, the feast of tabernacles was known as the celebration of joy. And they were required they couldn't come to Jerusalem and celebrate the feast of tabernacles if they were depressed. It was against the rules, against the law of Moses. You had to have joy when you came into the house of God for the feast of tabernacles. And they would dance and sing songs for eight days. Lit up. They'd light that city up with the, the city would be bright at night with the light lit up by the underpants of the priests. Well, the next day, Jesus is out there saying to them, He says, 
And he, what he's saying is all this is wonderful, it's good, but it's all types and shadows. I am that light. This is what you've been prophesying about and you're singing. You've been singing about me. You've been prophesying about me. They, they, he couldn't help himself. Every time he says something, pouring out the water, you're talking about me. You're lighting up those candles. You're talking about me. I am the light of the world. You know, this is how we see. This is how we see in this dark world. It's, it's through the light. Our, our, our eyes have been blinded. We're born a part of a fallen race. And we can't see. The problem is, is we, we don't know that we're blind. We think we can see. We think everything's okay. We, we're, we think we can understand. We think we've got an understanding, but we're groping in darkness and don't know it. That's the story of the Apostle Paul. He thought he understood the Bible. He thought he understood what was right and what was wrong spiritually. But he was a blind man walking around in darkness until the light of the glory of God met him on the Damascus Road and his scales were taken off his eyes and he began to see Christ for himself. And then he began to look around and he began to see his world through the eyes of Christ, through the light of Christ. Christ not only lit up his face, but he lit up the world for Paul. Then he began to see his world differently. He saw his Bible differently. It became a revelation to him. He began to see his, the lost people differently. He saw the Gentiles differently. Instead of being his enemies, they were souls in need of a Savior. It's what happens when you get born again. Your eyes are open. Instead of seeing people that have a different color skin than you, as an enemy, as an oppressor, or as someone that's less than you are, your eyes are opened. And you begin to see them as sinners in need of a Savior, or brothers and sisters in need of a brother, someone to shower the love of Christ on. Our eyes are open and we see our world differently. We see our church differently. We see lost souls differently. We see our money differently. We see our world from different eyes. Christ is the light of the world. He said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. When he was passing out the, distributing the bread and the fish and began to give it out to the people, he couldn't help himself. He said, this is, this is me. I'm talking about me. I'm giving you my flesh to eat. I am the bread of life. I am the word that comes down from heaven. So every day of our life, you and I are in need of this food. This food really is, I look at it as two ways. This food is, it's, it's the, the written word of God. I'm feasting on the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We live in a, an incredible day when the word has been, it's been translated into our language. It's on written pages. It's on tablets. It's on our cell phones. It's everywhere we look in multiple translations. And we can take it and we can feast on it and feed on the word of God. It says in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. He who, he, he who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 51, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats or feeds on this bread, he will live forever. And the, word, the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which, is, is the, is, which I shall give for the life of the world. It's this, this, we eat this bread by feasting on the word. And we eat this bread also by, by intimacy, intimacy with God, by having an intimate relationship with Him, not just knowing about Him, but having interaction with Him. 
Like John said, that he was, he was in the bosom of the Father. Well, we've been brought into that relationship too. We've been brought in by the blood of Jesus. We can have, we can have fellowship with him. He speaks to us. We read the word of God and his word comes alive to us and we, it nourishes our soul. We worship him and he speaks in the inside of us. Oh yes, we, he, is, he is the bread of life. Let me just, I'm going to go through these, these last few statements. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. John 10, 10, the thief comes not to, except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Wow. He's saying, I am the fulfillment of Psalm 23. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. You're the sheep of my pasture. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He's prophesying his death. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. He's prophesying intimate relationship with the sheep. And I am the good shepherd, and I'm known by my own. Not only do I know them, but they know me. I know them intimately, and they know me intimately. They walk with me. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. When he said that, it says to my heart, he is my provider. Everyone say provider. He is my protector. Say protector. He is my guide. He is my savior. He is, he is my giver of abundant life. Abundance, abundant life in Christ. Wow. He said, I am the true vine. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dressers. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples. My Father's the farmer. Jesus is the, brand, the, the vine and I'm the branch. I must stay connected. Hallelujah. I must stay connected. Flowing out of him is life. Flowing out of Christ is life. If I'm connected to him and I remain in him, how do I stay connected? Reading the words, worshiping him in prayer, staying connected to him with an intimate relationship. If I abide in him, his words abide in me. I'll ask what I will and it'll be done for me. By this is my father glorified that I bear much fruits. He said, I am the way. I am the way. I am the way into the holiest of all. I'm the way out of darkness. I'm the way out of the, 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 the tragedy of this life. I am the way into life itself. I am the way. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the truth. I am the very reality of God. No one comes to the Father except by me. I am the life. I am life itself. No one comes to the Father except by me. I want to finish with this last statement. John eleven twenty five. 25. This one to me is the most, one of the most incredible ones. They're all shocking. That he's standing outside the tomb of his dead friends. Lazarus is in the tomb. He'd been in there for four days. Tomb is closed. The funeral had happened four days before. 
And Jesus got there too late to pray for him before he died. And he's standing outside the tomb and he begins to cry out, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. I am the resurrection. Now, the, you know, the first, the first thing, of course, that the way we think this was fulfilled was in the raising of Lazarus from the dead. I want you to listen carefully to me. Lazarus was not resurrected in the miracle of Jesus. He was raised. There's a difference. Because when, when Lazarus was raised from the dead that day, he was not given his glorified body. Resurrection is, is, is what happens when you're raised from the dead and you're given a glorified body, your resurrected body, which will happen in the last day. But this was, Jesus was not, he wasn't talking specifically about the miracle that was about to happen. He was talking about who he is. The miracle was about to happen. Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead, but Lazarus still hasn't been resurrected. Lazarus will be resurrected when the trumpet blast comes and the shout comes and the dead in Christ are raised up from their graves. That's when Lazarus will be resurrected. He's going to be resurrected when we're caught up to be with the Lord in the air. That's when Lazarus will be resurrected. But Jesus was making a statement about who he is. And why he came. I am the resurrection and the life. What he's saying is when you go and experience a Christian funeral or a family member or a friend dies, dies before their time or dies in their time, when they die and go to be with the Lord and you're standing outside of their grave, the final word has not been spoken. Oh, no. You might think, well, they fought a good fight, but they didn't win the battle. Oh, yes, they did. The battle is not over. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, 10,000 years from now, 10,000 years from now, when we're rejoicing in our glorified body, ruling and reigning with Christ somewhere in the new heavens and the new earth, I wonder which solar system you'll be in charge of. Somewhere. In outer space, God has prepared a place for those who trust Him and obey somewhere out there. And when that day takes place, when that day comes, and we're looking into the eyes of our brothers and sisters, even those that, we, that went to be with the Lord in their teenage years or in their 20-year-old years, we'll look, and we won't even remember that their life was apparently shortened on earth. It won't even matter because we'll have eternity in front of us. Oh yeah, we'll have eternity without death, without sickness, without pain, without sorrow. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes this shall live even if he dies. Hallelujah. He who believes this shall live even if he dies. You know, we can try to change we can try to rewrite history as much as we want. The leaders of our nation are trying to rewrite our history, trying to rewrite our history today. They're trying to, to forget that the, that the name of our first fathers were called pilgrims. They were called pilgrims for a reason. 
because they were kicked out of their country because of what they believed. And they came looking for a city. They came to build a nation. That was our first founders. And, and you, can, you can think what you want and try to rewrite history all you want. But it's still the truth of what happens. I'll never forget the day. I'll, I'll close with this thought. I, I remembered it the other day. One of, we had, had four funerals recently. People from our church that went to be with the Lord's. And I was at one of these funerals and we were worshiping, singing songs before the funeral. And, and I remembered a, 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 a visit that I had. I, I've told you about this. I don't remember what, what context I said this, but I went to, to, um, to my son's wedding, my oldest son's wedding a number of years ago. He's been married a, a while now. And um, we went, to, he was married in Virginia. I performed the wedding and we had a couple days afterwards we went to Washington, D.C. and actually went to visit the home of President Washington, where he lived and where he died, our first president. And we went, they have a, he went through the house and it was, you know, not, it was just a big house, you know, it was not that impressive. And we got to the end of our journey, the end of the day, and the, the final stop on the day was Washington's tomb. There's the big tomb with his, an imprint of, a, like a statue of his body. And over the top of it, the scripture I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me shall live even if he dies. He put that scripture up there for a reason. I read it 300 and something years after his death. How many thousands of people have read his that testimony? Jesus is the resurrection. I guess the question you have to ask yourself, am I alive from the dead? Am I still walking around like a zombie, dead man walking? I look alive. I've got nice, you know, you can put dress, nice clothes on a zombie. He can even be current and cool. He can even look, look like a stud, you know, walking around with his nice clothes and all. It's inside, he's dead. <laughs> How is it with your soul today? It's Christ living inside of you. Let's stand and pray together, y'all. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.